Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. And what's up, guys and girls? Welcome in. Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark, GC Live, Monday episode of the show. We are, of course, brought to you by our good buddy, Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. ClintHammond.com is where you can find more information about Clint. NMLS number 71597. Hit him up. Email address chammond at mortgagenetwork.com. Several different ways you can call him. You see him right there. Hit his cell phone, 803-422-6797. Or again, just go to ClintHammond.com and learn all the information you need to. Uh, Clint will help you out through the process of buying a home or refinancing uh, if you want to see what options you have out there to maybe save yourself some money. Certainly a great time to do that with all the low interest rates that are still available. So uh, several of my friends have done the same. Probably a great time to look into that if you have not already. Uh, Chris. Where do we start? Um, obviously, I don't know, man. We I feel like we I feel like we have to talk about the game a little bit. I also feel like judging the pulse or taking the pulse of the fan base right now, the actual football game itself maybe isn't uh, at the top of anyone's mind, other than just probably spending Sunday venting about how the game went. Um, Big big picture stuff right now, obviously. Multiple elephants in the room right now, I feel like. Uh, I was going to say there's an elephant in the room. There are many. This this room is crowded with elephants right now, man. The circus. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the college football landscape, as we saw yesterday, um, is a full-on three-ring circus right now. the Barnum and Bailey Circus may not be around anymore, but uh, the college football circus is here to stay. And, um, dude, the I, I don't I don't really know. I, I figured the first elephant in the room has to be South Carolina's offensive situation. Um, the second one, which I don't really consider to necessarily be even at the point of uh, us talking about yet will be that uh, Beamer's name is now being mentioned uh, by websites uh, as being a candidate at Oklahoma. Um, those are the two elephants right now, I think. Then you have like the real-life stuff of, okay, uh, th- the game and how it went, the fact that recruiting what, – what we normally would be talking about right now, Chris, is the fact that uh, is a recruiting contact period. Believe it or not, uh, the uh, – First national signing day is right around the corner, uh, two weeks from Wednesday. So, uh, man, th- there's plenty of stuff to get to in this show, but I, I think we should start with um, one of the two elephants in the room, and then we'll get into the other stuff. By the way, Chris, shout out Gamecock Russ uh, joining us in the chat. Shout out to everybody in the chat, but uh, also great to see our buddy Gamecock Russ um, in the chat today. Yeah, no doubt, man. And and look, I think it's important to uh, not play to our audience. That's not the correct term, but to read the room, Wes. If if South Carolina had won against Clemson, we would probably be spending the entire amount of time we're here, forty five minutes an hour, talking about that game. 
so that South Carolina fans could revel in it and things of that nature. But since South Carolina lost and lost in a very unsettling fashion, the picture it does turn more to those big picture items because now people are ready to know what's next. How does this thing get fixed? How do you eventually one day break this streak? How do you get recruits here? How do you improve the offense? There's all these different aspects. And so, yeah, to, to start with the one elephant in the room, and that is the Gamecocks offense. They're blanked by Clemson for the first time since, what, 1989. Um, bad performance all the way around. Uh, South Carolina was an underdog going into the game. I picked South Carolina to lose the football game by seven. Uh, that said, disparity in those two teams – Yes, even with Clemson having a down year, even with them being banged up, especially on on offense, been in all sides of the game, shouldn't be a 30-point margin in that game. And what you look at largely is South Carolina's inability to get anything going against the Tigers on offense. And that, Wes, has, of course, been the storyline for most of this season. And so it begs the question of what is going to happen, if anything, on that side of the football. What is Shane Beamer going to do? How is he going to handle things? And I think from what we've observed since that Clemson game, that was the first question or the first demand <laughs> that people made um, right in the aftermath of that game, starting during the game and then leading up to now. And I think what has gotten a lot of people off kilter or whatever term you want to use is the fact that we know that Marcus Satterfield is one of the coaches that's out on the road recruiting now. And so that has led people to say, well, that must mean he's back. And I think there's some dynamics we can go into, Wes, if you want, about how things may work in college football with with potential changes. But obviously, that's the biggest thing that has to be addressed. And I, I don't really know where to even start with it other than to say – I'll start here. I wouldn't read too much into the fact that uh, generally people do their jobs until there's a reason not to do the job. And so – we are going to have to – what I would say is wait and see. Don't jump to any conclusions about what Shane Beamer may do or may not do right here on Monday. I know, yes, I realize that some college football head coaches have made staff changes in the right after their last game. Sunday, we heard about some coaching changes. However, there's still more time. You know, that, that doesn't mean – that there will be no changes. So I guess that's where I'd start. Don't make the leap in saying and, and criticizing Shane Beamer. Don't make up a reason to criticize and say, well, they're going to do this or they're going to do that. We don't have those answers quite yet. And we're, we're definitely tracking all that stuff constantly. I see a couple of questions on here, Chris. Um, wondering, do you kick the field goal at the end of the game? I, I want to have that discussion. I just think that is a, later in the show um so hopefully i i just wrote that down hopefully i will remember i I do want to hit that but yeah man i i think first and foremost uh college football and and really most i would say most businesses as i think about it most jobs um but certainly college football you, you you go do your job until until you're told not to and, you know, it's one of those things. Even when coaches know they're leaving, there are scenarios where you, you play out the season or you, you play out until it's determined that, uh, you know, that, that, you, that you are leaving your, your final date, something like that. So, uh, yes, South, South Carolina's entire staff is on the road recruiting today, on, on Monday. And you, you really – you have two weeks of a contact period right now. So – you you have to get out and and recruit. You have to go out there and um, and get on the road. If you just from a logistics standpoint, if you're going to see everybody, you need to see. You got to go ahead and get your coaches on the road. Um, I Chris look at it in the round. You know, we've heard a lot of different things over the last, really even before the game. Heard a lot of different things, a lot of different uh, information, a lot of different theories, um, a lot of different thoughts, and. I do sort of feel like if I'm if I'm Shane Beamer and I'm making this decision, and, and there is a decision, y'all. First of all, it's going to be like l- let's not. I, I think there's been a a quick um, jump to conclusion that uh, you know 
Beamer maybe doesn't think there needs to be any changes. Uh, you know, that he's just happy because he's defended the staff in media settings during the season. Here's the thing. Shane Beamer has seen the same games y'all have. He knows the offense has to get better. Now, he's got to figure out what the right move to do that is, and my guess is he's probably getting a feel for what all options he may have moving forward. Um, you know, is that some speculation on my part? Absolutely, but but I, I believe the fact that Right now, right now, there have been no changes on the offensive side. But also, the other side of that is that there haven't it hasn't been a situation where everybody's been told they're back either. So, you know, I I, th- I think we have to let this play out, and we have to see exactly what happens. Beamer, I'm sure, will be gathering information and figuring out what his best next move is to try and get this program moving forward. From a from a big picture standpoint, the offense has got to be fixed. Like that, that's really that that's the headline here. The offense has got to be fixed, and Beamer has to figure out the best path towards doing that. And um, I believe in the next couple of weeks, we'll we'll find out exactly what that path is, Chris. And to me, man, to tie it into this game a little bit, but also talk a little bit about big picture that this. Saturday was more of the same in that you and I talked about it all last week. Complimentary football. You're not going to you, – you can have games where you don't put up a ton of points and still find a way to win. You can't have games where you put your defense directly right back on the field, many times in less than stellar field position and expect to go win. The number of three and outs in this game. The the fact that I could sit there and think to myself, I don't really recall, like for a large portion of the game, I was sitting there trying to think, when was the last South Carolina first down? Or has there been a South Carolina first down yet? If you're having those conversations in your head during a game, that's, that's a terrible sign. So... uh to me, Chris, it was just more of the same. When when this when this team has really struggled, uh, this defense the defense is not good enough to just lock teams down. They need some help. Has to be complimentary football. Saturday, unfortunately for Carolina, was more of the same. So now, you, to me, you have you have twelve full games of of data on on this offense. Yeah, and, and look, man, there are plenty of defensive uh, issues in that football game, right? There's no doubt. I mean, you look at even – I mean, dude, the stadium was hyped up. First play of the game, Clemson tries a little short pass, sails over the receiver's head, and, and, and the place explodes. I mean, it was like they had scored a touchdown, you know, on offense um, or gotten a big sack or a big third down stop or an interception. That's how the stadium sounded after play one. And then quickly it kind of got deflated. I mean, the air got sucked out because, D, you know, DJ, Clemson's quarterback, he, you have, a, I think, a third and 11, and he runs for a first down basically on one leg. You know, uh, Will Shipley annihilated South Carolina all night with just some crafty runs that they didn't seem very disciplined. There are plenty of defensive issues. That said, in when it mattered, I don't really count Clemson's last touchdown, but basically no time left on the clock. Garbage time touchdown to make it 30 nothing. They held them to 23 points. They held them to 23 points with just about the minimum amount of help you could possibly get from the offense. And that goes back to what you're saying, complimentary football. South Carolina didn't have great starting field position hardly ever because Clemson still, even when they didn't score, they still moved the football some to where they could punt and get South Carolina in bad field position. The turnover South Carolina got with Cam Smith on the interception. It's not like they got that at midfield. I mean, they're backed up in their own territory. It's like a long punt, basically. So the offense couldn't move the ball. You're not able to score points. You're not even able to adequately flip the field and keep the chains moving and keep your defense off the field. And so 
that put the defense in a really bad spot. So were there plenty of things that were frustrating about the defense in terms of being able to stop the run? Absolutely. They still, in in time that mattered in the game, they had a decent performance in terms of points. And I think even more decent in hindsight, given the the basically no help that they got from the offense. And so that was the biggest storyline. South Carolina, you know, we went into this game, West saying, okay, what are a couple things that South Carolina can exploit here? Maybe it's their backs, Juju McDowell's, Aquandre White, et cetera. Maybe it's their backs against the linebackers. Maybe Jason Brown can make some things happen. Instead, Clemson dominated the line of scrimmage. They flustered Jason Brown on some plays. And there was really no, no opportunity for South Carolina's backs in space against Clemson's linebackers. Juju McDowell barely played, really, in this football game. So it was kind of more the same of what we've seen from the offense for most of the season. Like you said, that 12-game sample, there have been some good spots here and there from the offense, but kind of few and far in between. I think you look back, Chris, the first half of games this season, shut out against Clemson and then shut out for, for the entire game. Um, shut out the first half against Texas A&M. Um, six yards of offense late into the third quarter in that game. Shut out uh, first half against Kentucky. Um, believe down 10 to nothing in that game at the half. Uh, scored early in the third quarter to uh, cut that back to a, a one-score game. And not shut out on the scoreboard, but shut out offensively in the first half against East Carolina, if I remember correctly. The um, only score for South Carolina in the first half of that game was the Damani Staley pick six. So, uh, and down 38-7 to seven first half against Tennessee. So that's Seven points, a shot at a second touchdown, but that was the ill-fated um, running back defensive end toss pass for an interception that, well, well, we won't relive that, I guess. But so point point being, there, uh, you know, there really there've been some really bad moments in this season for this offense, and very few moments where you look at and say the offense just played really, really well. I Again, pe- people keep asking, are there changes? Will there be changes? Um, I w- Whatever they look like will be up to Beamer. But, guys, I can't, I can't look at what we saw for 12 days – or 12 games, I should say, and not think that there are going to be – there's going to be some type of shift in approach on offense. You know yeah. what I mean? Like – I and I'm I never I hate like I'm not going to sit here and speculate directly on you know somebody losing their job um, until things are like official and are happening. But uh, the the offense with the way we saw it this past season is not sustainable um, moving forward for the program. Now the results we saw, if you kept it the same, probably are sustainable. I think you would see more of the same. But as far as the program and getting it where it needs to be. I, I don't know that it's sustainable. So we'll, we'll see, you know, obviously be some difficult decisions for Shane Beamer moving forward, but um, I would just reiterate what Chris said in the open, remain patient. Let's see what happens. Um, somebody in the chat asked a second ago, Chris, um, has any, who vocally has said that everyone will be back? No, no one that, that has not been said. That's not been reported. I think people are assuming because coaches are on the road recruiting that it's just a done deal that everybody's back. Uh, that clearly is uh, is not the case. Let's talk about the other elephant in the room, Chris. A, I would say it is a in some way it is a smaller elephant because I don't really think there's going to end up being a ton to it. It's a bigger elephant from the standpoint of that it involves your directly involves your, your head coach. If you're a South Carolina fan, um, Sat- Satterfield clearly is the, the bigger topic of discussion because we can't post anything on the message board right now without it. The, the, the discussion ultimately comes back to the offense and Marcus Satterfield and what's going to happen there. Um, but it, it is worth discussing Shane Beamer 
according to Oklahoma reports, now at least a person to watch on the Oklahoma side of things as a candidate for their, I would say, surprising job opening. Yeah, Lincoln Riley really shaking things up uh, by leaving Norman. And by the way, Wes, sidebar that I won't spend too much time on, I think Lincoln Riley made a good move. Now, some of the stuff coming out of Norman does not reflect that great on him in terms of maybe how he did it. I don't know if you guys have read some of that. Our guys over at Soonerscoop.com have had some kind of some behind-the-scenes stuff. And basically some people seem kind of blindsided by it. But here's what I know. Lincoln Riley, he gets to hit the reset button. Uh, Things are going very well at Oklahoma. But you hit the reset button. You go to a brand-name program. You go to a state that you are recruiting extremely well, actually, already at Oklahoma. Now you go to the home state of these kids you're recruiting. Uh, And you're a hot name, and you're going to be paid extremely well. And by the way, you don't have to go to the SEC. Now you go to the Pac-12. And you're going to be competing with Oregon mostly right now. You know, maybe some others here and there, UCLA, whoever, you know, ends up taking a a leap maybe in the Pac-12, but mainly Oregon instead of Texas and Alabama and LSU and Auburn and all these, all these different things, right? So that, I think that was actually a pretty smart move to get while the getting's good uh, for for Lincoln Riley. But yeah, I, I mean, obviously Shane Beamer, familiar with Oklahoma, helped recruit some of these guys like Caleb Williams, helped kind of open the DMV area to Oklahoma, which is a place that's recruited in some different spots. You know, yeah, Texas, the Midwest, but also the DMV area, California. Obviously, Beamer is really highly thought of. I just don't think there's an angle here, Wes. I don't think there's a storyline just like Virginia Tech. People brought that up. We reported there's there's nothing really to look at there. There's still not – I don't think that's going to be the case with Shane Beamer either. He's year one of a job that he wanted. Um, I don't think there's an angle here to watch. I understand why his name is going to come up on the Oklahoma side, but just don't think there's there's much to it at this point. By the way, and again, I, I hate to uh, to make a huge sidebar here either. I'm going to try to keep it condensed, but um, the, the Oklahoma folks right now, like those reporters – you know, they, they probably went into Sunday thinking, you know, probably a busy day. You know, especially if they cover recruiting and, you know, recruiting's getting started as far as contact period. They probably thought, you know, I got some stuff to do today. Can you imagine waking up to that, though? And then, I mean, you you know how it is covering a coaching search, Chris. It's just nonstop. But you at least had some preparation. Like, we, we knew the Muschamp thing was coming. We were pretty – we already had our content – kind of kind of ready to go that that had to be a heck of a day for those guys and i i was just looking over on i gotta share this with y'all this this is a family show so i'm gonna be careful but uh i I don't know if you saw this chris i was on sooner scoop a second ago the emergency podcast that they did yesterday um which i guess is sort of like if 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 everything just like everything hit the fan and Chris and I were like, hey, we're going to hop on here on Sunday just because there's stuff to talk about. Emergency GC Live, the the title of their version of GC Live on Sunday was Emergency Podcast. And y'all can go look at it yourself because I'm not going to say it. Emergency Podcast, Lincoln Riley actually is a D, basically. Like, <laughs> my man left the building and ticked off everyone in Oklahoma. Apparently, on the way out. Like one of one of the first the the summary. One of the the third sentence is what the actual blank Lincoln uh, in the summary for that episode of the podcast. So, man, I I thought I don't know. I, I've always just assumed Lincoln Riley's a pretty good dude. Not not that. Not that it makes him a bad dude for for content, like sort of putting his family in a better place. He got a great deal, got a great job. But all the reporting in Oklahoma is that they had been working towards a contract, a new contract for Lincoln Riley this season. 
Um, and, and I'm leaning on uh, – go go check them out. Seriously, y'all, Soonerscoop.com. If you want to read up on the drama, go check them out. I'm not trying to steal their reporting. But they've been working on a new contract for, for Oklahoma – or for, you know, for Lincoln at Oklahoma. And they thought they were battling LSU. And lo and behold, Southern Cal was operating in the shadows here. Gets the job done. Um, a lot of people, Chris, were freaking out on Twitter about Lincoln Riley, I guess, not talking a whole lot at the player meeting. A lot of coaches don't even attend that player meeting. You know, like we've seen coaches leave a school and te- and text the guys that they're out. So was some of it sketchy? Absolutely. Um, the fact Lincoln Riley was reportedly in the players meeting and at least told them he was leaving. I may, I maybe give him a little pass on, you know, on on some of that because he was there. Um, but man, he, he definitely Chris torched some bridges on the way out. He did. And it it seemed like just from some stuff that we've seen, Wes, I think Jason Kersey from the athletic as well uh, had some reporting on on the kind of the aftermath and seemed like the, a lot of his assistant coaches or at least some of them really taken aback um go you know check out the athletic jason kersey <laughs> one of the things i saw from his reporting west was that basically one of the assistant coaches after the the team meeting and after kind of all the fallout was just like i kept waiting for him to say you know i was kidding just kidding and he never said it so it was kind of it's just crazy, you know, on the heels of, you know, the press conference where he's being asked about, again, everything was LSU-centric. There wasn't really a lot about, well, maybe he'll go to Southern Cal or maybe he'll go to the NFL or maybe this and that. It was all centered on this LSU speculation. And so when it was brought up, I think Kerry Murdoch from Soonerscoop.com was actually the one that asked that question right after uh, Bedlam about – the rumors, hey, I'm going to ask you, and he just cut him off and said, I'm not going to LSU. That was true, as people have <laughs> been joking about. He didn't lie about that. But, yeah, man, I mean, th- these things don't come together that quickly. So this is something that had been building, you know, over time. And uh, I-, I-, I bet we're going to get some more detailed reports, you know, in the coming days and weeks for some stories that are going to be really – Really fascinating about how this went down, or the the five year reunion story on you know on on ESPN or the Athletic or something when people right. really start to talk like you know how they do that this day five years ago and it's like a deep dive and people are, are so far removed from it that they don't care about not saying things anymore. Right, those, those are always really fun in, in my opinion. So there there was probably there's probably some intermediary here that was linking this thing, this whole thing up in the shadows and not, not going to even get any credit right now for, for making it work, but probably had a huge hand in getting Lincoln rally to Southern Cal. So, so we'll see. I mean, you got to think that there's no such thing as a sure thing in college football coaching. You got to think that's, that's close. That's as close to a surefire hire as you're going to get. And lots of rumors Caleb Williams could could follow him there, uh, which is crazy. Um, speaking of Oklahoma quarterback, Spencer Rattler officially announced that he is going to enter the transfer portal. A lot of Gamecock fans may, may be assuming there or, or questioning, rightfully so, will, will South Carolina be interested? Would South Carolina go after him? Would he be interested in South Carolina? Um, first of all, if I – if I was if I was Rattler, Chris, I maybe would have waited to see what was going to happen next. Me personally, if Caleb Williams, it's I mean it is widely assumed right now that he he's going to be out the door and following Lincoln to Southern Cal. So, you know, I, I would have maybe waited and see what would happen. But anyway, you got to imagine that South Carolina will sort of kick the tires, so to speak on any major quarterback that, that hits the portal. And, you know, man, I, from all the rumors out there, it is going to be a busy week or two as far as high-profile guys um, across all positions, but really the quarterback position steals the headlines. I think there's going to be a lot of guys in the portal. Um, 
will Carolina make a run at at a few of them? I think I think that's a safe bet. They're going to reach out and, and see what's there and see who's interested. And and now it's about working, really working your your connections and, and your networking and and sort of finding out uh, who's the guy you still have a connection with or that you know somebody that knows them and and kind of going from there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you, we've already seen some signs of this portal activity. Jameer Gibbs, Wes from Georgia Tech at running back, just going in the portal during our show. Uh, big, big Jameer Gibbs fan. Who, who isn't? If you aren't, you should be. He's really good. Um, so that's, yeah. that's fascinating. Um, but dude, I mean, this, this is tip of the iceberg. Season just ended, you know, in terms of regular season on Saturday there are going to be defections. There's going to be defections for South Carolina's program. There's going to be defections from programs across the country. And so not everybody's going to be super high profile, but we think there are going to be some high profile defections from some other schools. And so um, we get questions probably every day, Wes, ask Chris Thread on the Insiders Forum. Um, you know, a couple Alabama guys just went in the portal today. The, the stock answer until activity picks up even more is going to be if a guy goes in the portal at any level, it could be a division three player. South Carolina is going to be looking and assessing guys in the portal. Uh, certainly there are some priority positions that you can, I mean, you guys have seen the season. You, you can think of what it might be linebacker, you know, maybe offensive line, maybe pass rush quarterback receiver. There are multiple spots and, and really, there's not one where you say, oh, there's absolutely no need for anything there. Um, there are going to be lots of guys going in the portal that South Carolina's going to take a look at, and quarterback is certainly going to be one. So whether it's Rattler or some other guys that may at some point go in the transfer portal, expect South Carolina to take a look and potentially get involved with some of them, and we'll certainly be uh, certainly be uh, following all that action at GamecockCentral.com. Yeah, one, one name you can already at least uh... – keep an eye on from the portal would be Morvin Joseph, the uh, Tennessee linebacker. Um, I tried to catch up with him on Sunday, have not been able to. I did. He did confirm that he made it to South Carolina. So he was at the game on Saturday, uh, a reserve guy at Tennessee, former, former four-star guy, Lakeland, Florida really has played more of, as like a backup role. Didn't have a huge impact at Tennessee. So kind of remains to be seen if that's a guy, South Carolina, is sort of heavy after or that they're more just touch a base with right now. If anything will come of it, I don't know yet, but Marvin Joseph certainly one to at least, I would say guys keep an eye on moving forward. Uh, let's talk a little bit of recruiting, Chris, as I talked about, you look next, next two weeks, it's kind of about a checking in on your committed guys, but B hitting up these final targets. I mean, I, I kind of had to do a double take because this season has flown by. Like it, it has, it was here and then it's gone. And now early signing period starts December 15th. So that's two weeks from Wednesday. By the way, start getting ready, Chris. We got a signing day to cover um, right around the corner. But that, that means you're mo- most of these guys sign early now. So any of these high-profile final targets we've been talking about for, for months now, Jayshon Barham, Antonio Williams, um, Jalen Sneed, who was at, at South Carolina on Saturday, the Notre Dame commit. It, it's kind of the moment where, where the rubber meets the road. If you're South Carolina, if you're going to make a final move with these guys, th- this is when it happens, and, and Carolina's coaches are, are on the road right now. Um, and, and we'll be trying to track what, what comes from it. Yeah, James Pierce, another one, Wes. Um, you know, there, there are others out there for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be really interesting. I, I'm wondering, Wes, and we don't know the answer to this yet, but will some targets wait until February? I mean, you, you do have the option for that. Most guys typically go ahead and sign in December. College coaches push for that for obvious reasons. They want to get their – class locked up it's easier for planning purposes you have the portal so when do guys go in the portal when are they ready to make a move you have that added aspect so the timing of all this and then you know it's happening all in the midst of the coaching carousel whether it's assistant coaches 
staying, leaving for other jobs for whatever reason, head coaches, staying, leaving for other jobs, hot seat talk. I mean, everything's kind of happening at once. And so with with a little over a couple weeks to go, the activity is about to pick up in a big way, man. So, yeah, South Carolina's coaches out on the road. They're seeing some, you know, 2023 prospects that they're going to be checking in on, that guys that are going to be priorities going forward. Um, but definitely, you know, there's a smaller group, of course, of guys that are still targets in this class that are going to be, you know, critical needs as well. And so th- this is a very important next couple of weeks to try to stay in the game with those guys, make your final pitches, and we'll see who signs. You know, we anticipate a bunch of people signing, especially the committed guys in December. There will be some early enrollees. Uh, but just seeing, you know, the final push for these guys like Williams, like Jay Sean Barham, can you close out this class with the bang? Yeah, and uh, a little there's a little bit of shade thrown at Spencer Radler right now by by a lot of people, including in our comments right now. Um, you know, it what it was it wasn't a great season for for Rattler. Obviously, he got benched, and that's I would say Oklahoma um, has been one of the most QB friendly places you could ever be when you look at scheme plus coach plus uh, the defense that you're facing plus talent around you. If you're really, really good, you, you're going to succeed at Oklahoma. The fact that he struggled, would that give me pause a little bit? Yes. But let's also not sit here and pretend like Spencer Rattler wouldn't be an upgrade at many, 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 many places at the quarterback position. I got his numbers up right now in his in his career. And, you know, I to, to me it feels like Spencer Rattler's been in Oklahoma forever. But he really he only played in he played in three games and threw eleven passes in 2019. So really, you you he's got two years that he's played there. He's thrown 40 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and has thrown for five yards shy of 4,600 yards, and is completing 70 percent of his passes. So you you telling me that a, a place with a scheme that fits him? Wouldn't love to have that, you know, that production at quarterback. Like, let, let's not pretend like Spencer Rattler is just awful. So I, I, I think he will, he will, he will land somewhere big. Like he's going to land at another Power Five. There's no question. It's not going to be like Spencer Rattler enters the portal and everybody's like, "Nah, we're good. We don't, we we don't want that guy." Um you know, seventy percent completion. That's you know, we're not we're not about that. So yeah, Rat, Rattler. Overall, the body of work is pretty solid. Um, Chris, I, I wanted, I did want to hit on a couple of the the stops this week. It seems like for the most part, this is about South Carolina getting out on the road, dropping in on high schools of underclassmen, seeing and and. By the way, as far as the rules go, they can drop in on the underclassmen, can't really officially meet with the underclassmen. But the the guys who are seniors, they can go meet them. They can go meet with them. Several in-home visits taking place this week. Lots of uh, commitments that they'll be seeing, kind of making sure everything's fine there. And then really it's, it's these final targets, man. You look um, – Tonight, Justin Stepp going in and seeing Landon Sampson. Of course, he is committed. But going Stepp will go see Camden Brown, the receiver from Florida that's committed to Pitt. Uh, see him on Tuesday. South Carolina will conduct an in-home visit with Jalen Sneed on Wednesday. That's uh, Clayton White will be there. Um, South Carolina going to see Stone Blanton on Thursday. Um, that, that that's too not, not that I. I mean, I think Sneed's a, still a really a, a long shot for South Carolina. But you you spoke to Stone Blanton fresh off of his visit. What what's your vibe there right now, man? I, I think that that'll be something worth tracking. I've noticed this about Stone. You've talked to him several times. I've talked to him several times. Just a super nice, polite kid. Like every visit he goes on is a super amazing, super fun. He uses the word super a lot. He does. Um, man, it's a super amazing visit. Super great coaches. A super good game. You know, just a a polite kid yeah but that makes it hard to kind of shift like sift through that stuff 
He is. It, there are so many interesting things about Stone. So, you know, he, he took that official in the summer. And, Wes, you'll remember, after he took his official to South Carolina, I mean, you almost got the sense he was still committed to Mississippi State for baseball at the time. But you got the sense that South Carolina was probably going to pull that one off in the summer or maybe sooner. Well, then he didn't. You know, he didn't pull the trigger. Time went by. He, he did go to South Carolina early in the season for a game, but South Carolina seemed to kind of fall off a little bit in favor of the in-state programs, that being Mississippi State and Ole Miss. But South Carolina stayed in there. They've stayed the course. There is still a baseball angle, and obviously he's from the state of Mississippi. So, you know, A&M's still in there, but not really. Um, it's really the two Mississippi schools in South Carolina. But you've got the football angle. you got the baseball angle. Ole Miss West, from my understanding, has several linebackers on their board. Stone's in there. I think they would take him, but does he kind of sense that or not? You know, whereas at South Carolina, it seems like at least he's been a pretty high priority. So can you pull him out of the state? What's he think about baseball? He told me, you know, he's going to have – this final week or two of in-home visits and, and entertain some coaches and things like that and think about it, pray about it and see where he's led. Um, so it's kind of hard to read. It really is. Uh, South Carolina got the last visit here, the last game visit and he loved it, but there are just a lot of factors, you know, at play here that kind of make it hard to read. And it, and it really may come down to these final meetings with coaches. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what kind of who South Carolina ends up with at linebacker in this class because, um, you know, I, I think I think Clayton, Clayton White, who is obviously South Carolina's defensive coordinator, and, and that's sort of – you see it with coordinators, that kind of holds precedent a, a lot of times as far as – or takes precedent as far as th- their time spent. Like there, there's a lot – there's a lot on the coordinators and recruiting – has to still be part of that as well. And to me, Clinton White is not one of these guys. You you see some recruiters that are kind of very good at their job, but are like used car salesman type recruiters. And, um, you know, they'll go after a bunch of kids and they'll, they'll land a bunch of high profile guys. Um, Clinton White isn't that at all, but he does kind of strike me as one of those guys um a little bit almost like a Des Kitchings in that he kind of picks the right guys, go kind of builds these these long-term relationships, very likable. Um, two of them are actually good friends from their time at NC State. It kind of makes sense. The fact Stone Blanton is like still listening to South Carolina at this point. I I could see them, I could see them pulling it off, honestly. Um, you know, we'll see. I gotta think Stone was watching the game Saturday saying there is a need for Carolina at that position. And my, my, my takeaway is obviously you're not going to have the the big changes on defense for South Carolina that you may see offensively this offseason. But priority one has to be to find a way to shore up the run defense moving forward. And, you know, I, I think those – Chris, I think those kids at linebacker have played their – butts off like they they've given everything they have like I and I'm no way am I taking away from that but Carolina moving forward has to be able to sort of re-up on the D-line because they do have some some talented players there but a lot of them are upperclassmen and they've got to keep adding talent at, at linebacker man so that that to me is key can you get a stone Blanton can you still Jalen Sneed you know can I mean, it'd be an absolute still job if they're able to get him. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that that's the best prospect in the state for his class, in my eyes. Can, can you pull that off? To me, look, moving forward with this defense, got to find a way to shore up the, the run D. Those two guys we're talking about, again, South Carolina's got in-home visits with both of them this week. Um, Clayton White going to see both of them this week. That's uh, – Something to track, but also a key moving forward. It is, yeah. I mean, I think linebacker is going to be critical in the portal, maybe Juco. Damani Staley, there's several games this year, Wes, where he played every snap or almost. Brad Johnson was normally not far behind. 
So you got some youngsters. I mean, Mo Cobb is still a young player in terms of his experience. Debo Williams, you know, true freshman this year. There's some guys there. Bam Martin Scott's going to be an important player going forward. But there's no doubt that it's basically wide open on this team. And so for a transfer linebacker, a junior college guy, or even a high school senior who's in the 2022 class, you got to be looking at the situation if you like South Carolina and the scheme. You don't look and say, you don't look around and say, is there going to be playing time? There's definitely going to be potential playing time there. Um, so Blanton, you know, it'll be an interesting next couple of weeks for him. Sneed, I'm with you, Wes, to, to properly set expectations. It is still, in my opinion, a long shot. Now, is there more of a chance than there was a month ago? Sure. Because a month ago, Jalen Sneed, you know, wouldn't really visit. <laughs> Uh, the communication wasn't really there as much. Now it is. The The door's at least cracked. And so I think it's going to be very, very difficult. South Carolina, when Shane Beamer got to South Carolina, Gamecocks were playing way from behind. And for a time, it was tough to get traction. Got to credit the staff for working really, really hard to try to get that door cracked open. And we'll see. If they could pull it off, it would be, I mean, bonkers. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't expect that to happen, but they're going to make a run at it. See what happens. Yeah, and, and guys, in no way am I trying to build like build up your hope on, on that one by any means. He's just good enough that it's worth talking about, and he's clearly good enough that South Carolina decided to fight it out until the very end. You know, like you – I mean, I, I remember talking to the kid at Rivals Camp early this year and him literally, I've never had a kid tell me this, just like, I'm just not really interested in, like, going to an in-state school. I'm just not. So the fact that they've, they've been able to sort of hang in there, really get back in it, does, does say something about the effort that they put into him, and we'll, we'll see what happens. The, he, he would – I would dare say he would start next season for South Carolina. Like, I, I think he – I think he's that good, honestly. So, all right, anything else in uh, recruiting we want to hit right now, Chris? I mean, there, there's lots of updates already on Gamecock Central. You talked to Stone Blanton. Um, we gave uh, Jaden Bradford the full article treatment as well. Lots of just uh, quick quick hitters from guys. Sammy Brown coming in, the four-star linebacker, absolute stud of a player. Um, he, he made it in. Uh, R- Ramon Brown made it in. Razor Ramon, South Carolina still after him. Uh, Mo Hardesty going to be in town to see him this week as well, in-home visit. So lot, lots going on, some some stuff to track down the stretch. Um, someone asking about Antonio Williams. Everybody wants to hear about Antonio Williams. He did take the Auburn official visit over the weekend. And that one that one now, Chris, is in its like final stages, of course. We, we had Paul Strelo on our show Friday. It doesn't really seem that Clemson necessarily quite made the impression with the offer that some people were assuming they would going into that offer. Now, also that said, South Carolina's offensive performance on Saturday, probably, even though he wasn't at the game, didn't maybe help matters either. Paul Strelo seems to think it comes down to South Carolina or Clemson. I still think Ole Miss is very firmly in this, in my personal opinion. I don't think Auburn is really a big factor. That was a very abbreviated visit. But, man, I I would imagine, for for the most part, Antonio Williams, knowing how he operates, his approach this week is on winning another state title. So, yeah, recruiting is going to be a part of it. But it's going to be – his approach will be to get through Saturday. Then, let you know. Let, let's see what happens from there. Yeah, see what happens from there. A couple weeks, you know, at least for him, Wes, um, to to take with this recruiting process. As we've documented, he's not a guy that is really attention seeking. He doesn't really particularly like the recruiting process. Um, the, the Auburn visit was interesting in that it was so abbreviated, like you said. So. I, that, those are, that, I'm with you. Those are the three teams, you know, Clemson, South Carolina, Ole Miss, that we're still tracking. Does anything change on South Carolina's end as, as we've been discussing the show and how does that play in? That could play a role, obviously, going forward with Antonio Williams. 
As are other factors, distance from home, prioritization, playing time, a lot of different things that could come into play there. And so we get asked about Antonio every show, still kind of status quo for now. And I think there's going to come a time where we get a little bit of a better sense, Wes, on this one. But I, I just don't know if that time is is right now. It's not yet. I'm, I'm with you. We'll we'll find out soon, I, I feel like. Um, USC Light asking about Jalen Foster not getting all SEC. I believe that that's the PFF. That, that's what came out. P, PFF, for whatever reason, has not been as high on Jalen as probably most people will be. You know, I, I'm assuming – I think that's what you're talking about, USC Light, is just the PFF. Has the AP – or any of those guys put out their teams yet? I don't think they have. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. I'd imagine with the stats that Foster put up this year, he's going to get quite a bit of all SEC consideration on the more traditional list. Pro Football Focus takes a much different look at uh, grading players, a more in-depth look, and for whatever reason in their scale, the way they do things, they just have not been as high on Jalen as um as your eye probably would be but he'll he'll get he'll get all sec from somebody from the more traditional media folks and, and very deserving obviously i mean jalen his story as we've talked about has been all is awesome he's had a great year has stepped up for south carolina when they needed it most uh he'll, he'll get all sec so chris do you kick a field goal at the end of the south carolina clemson game to avoid a shutout. No, no. I, I think the thing that gave me the only thing literally that gives me any pause in answering it is the whole Parker White dynamic, right? Um, but other than that, um I mean, dude, how how many people would get mad at Muschamp for when South Carolina was down, you kick a field goal late, <clears throat> kind of you know, you could say it was meaningless or whatever. I, I think that instills that, – that's how I would do it. I, I would go try to score a touchdown. You may strike out if you do. You could miss a field goal too, dude. I mean, you know, like I'm I'm going for it in that situation. I'm trying to go out there and score. Yeah, you you play to, you play to win the game. If you're uh, – you know, and South Carolina wasn't going to win the game at, at that point, but – I, I respect when coaches play a game, especially when they're behind, and they play it to try and actually come back, even if it means they may get blown out even more. You know what I mean? Like, you you can manage a game to where you know you're going to lose, but that it looks better sometimes. Or you can you can take more risk and go try to win the game. And there a lot of a lot of points in that game, South Carolina was was probably not going to win the game. You know, like it was pretty apparent. It was pretty apparent at halftime that South Carolina was not going to win that game unless something just completely turned. But the the more the more risk you take in football the more potential for upside you have, but also the more potential for it to go the other way on you that you have. I respect when coaches say, look, I don't care if y'all beat me 99 to nothing. I'm going to try to go win the game. So, yes, the the Parker-White element does add a little bit, you know, would it have been nice for Parker on senior night to go kick a field goal and get, you know, I guess that would have tied the record. Yeah, but come on, guys. Like, the coach ain't thinking about that. And I don't know – I don't know that Parker White do – you, do you want to tie the record on that anyway? Why don't, why don't you go tie – I think he'd like to tie the record as South Carolina wins a bowl game and then actually break the record because South Carolina's scoring some points and not getting shut out. So, to, to me, it's just a bad signal that you send to kick a field goal. And I guarantee, I guarantee you, you're right, Chris, if Will Muschamp was the head coach 
and he kicked a field goal there because I think he would have, let's be honest. If he kicked a field goal there, everybody would have been hammering him for doing it. And in my opinion, rightfully so. Yeah, I mean, that's what I go back to on it is just we kind of saw this movie. Now, some of the people that were – would have bashed Muschamp for it. Maybe they would also bash Beamer for it, and they'd be, you know, consistent with the take. That's just I kind of thinking back to it and thinking back to some of the games and thinking back to a lot of the comments we heard or the questions we got about why do that or why did he do that, thinking about that and then seeing kind of the opposite of it of why why not kick the field goal there. You know, I think I tend to think that more people were probably concerned or it was pretty close, pretty equal in terms of being concerned about Parker getting the record. Or versus avoiding the shutout. I mean, 30 to 3 versus 30 to 0. I know you don't want to get shut out. To me, I think it's a little bit important. You're, you're trying to send a message to the team, go out there and continue competing, right? And and you got to say Shane Beamer's been consistent with that, you know? Again, the team got whooped on Saturday night, but you didn't look around and say the team quit. They're not playing, you know? And so I think just in being consistent with that, that's just kind of how he's thought about it. I mean, Shane Beamer said, I didn't even think about sending – I didn't think about sending Parker out there. Now, there's probably way too many things in that game for him to be thinking when you're down 30 nothing. He's not thinking about, let's get Parker this record. You know, um, that's understandable. So, I think it was just being more consistent with the value that he's tried to instill, which he talks a lot about competition, continuing to compete no matter the circumstances. I think – going out there and trying to score a touchdown, you know, is probably a little bit more indicative of, of that. Yeah, man. Um, what, what what else do we want to hit? I think we, we've hit a lot of stuff. Um, I'm going to hit Dead Soxy real quick and tell the people about it. There you see it on the screen, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Holidays coming up, guys. You know, there used to be a time, Wes, you remember back in the day, you would get your stocking or you would open like that – that belk shaped box and you knew you knew in that box there would be socks and you're just annoyed by it well maybe we're getting old but you know i've talked about this nowadays you get a cool pair of socks it's pretty nice so make sure you get high quality socks dead soxy d-e-a-d-s-o-x-y.com use the promo code cocky get 25 percent off your entire order at deadsoxy.com yeah, that's how you know you've gotten old, man. The day that you were happy to get socks for Christmas is the day that you are officially old. Yep. Used to be, if you got, if you got socks for Christmas, you were like, man, what are we doing here? Where are the toys at? Santa, what are you doing? Now I'm like, I did need some more socks, so I don't have to go buy them. I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm good with that. Um, Craig saying Venables to Oklahoma. That would be a good thing for the Gamecocks. Is that out there, Craig? Is that is that? Uh, I mean, I know it's out there as a possibility, but is is there something stronger than that? Craig consumes more sports media than anybody I've ever met. So if it's out there, I know Craig has got it for us. Uh, so let us know before we go off the air. Recruiting will be the, uh, I would say, the focus the next the next couple of weeks on, on Gamecock Central. While of course we track what's going on with with South Carolina and. Um, if there are coaching changes, if they are not, all that stuff, uh, we'll, we'll have you covered on GamecockCentral.com. I think that's all I got, Chris. What about you, man? Yeah, man, good stuff. Uh, don't know. When, when are we going to be back this week? Do we know yet? We don't know. Um, we'll, we'll let them know if, if everything – if we need, if we have to hop on and, and do one. This, this probably won't be a full five um, like normal. So be on the lookout on Twitter. Tell you what, go on your YouTube right now. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button and then hit the little bell and you'll get notifications whenever we go live. So then uh, you'll, you'll know. But I would say more of like a three out of five this week as opposed to all five days. Three out of five ain't bad. Three out of five ain't bad. All right, y'all. Appreciate it. He's Chris. I'm Wes. Thanks to all the chatters, viewers, watchers, streamers, whatever you call yourselves. Appreciate y'all. We'll talk. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.